Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. And if you've ever been lucky enough to visit the Magic Castle in Hollywood, get to spend an evening with some of the top magicians from around the world, most of which you never heard of. Bruce Calver is one of them. Bruce has been a magician for over 50 years. Now, he has spent a lifetime performing at resort hotels, dinner theaters, cruise ships, corporate events, and theaters around the world. And he even performs for other magicians and lectures on the craft. And guess who taught him? His grandfather, Samuel Wolfe, who was a builder and assistant to Houdini. Wow. He's had a lifetime of magic, and he's got so many great stories. I don't know if he will necessarily astound you, but he will make you laugh. He will really talk about the craft, and you will get that sense that magic is not just for kids. It's for everybody. So let's meet Bruce Calver. Okay, I thought what we would do is a half an hour of card tricks on the podcast, huh? <laughs> no problem. No problem. <laughs> you did 13 straight hours of card tricks, which is a world's record. Yeah. And no two card tricks were the same. No. Wow. No. You were what, in college then? I was in college at the time, and uh, a local company was uh, raising money for a drug abuse clinic. Okay. And they wanted to have all sorts of Guinness World Records and do it at a, at a shopping mall. Okay. And I thought, this is the perfect place for me to do card tricks because uh, back then when you would, you would spread the cards out for someone and say, pick a card, they'd immediately say, oh, I know that trick. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> there were five card tricks that everybody knew. You right, know? right. So I, I thought, I'm going to prove to them that they don't know this card trick and I'm going to learn every card trick I can. So there were a bunch of uh, card magic books that were out by people like Harry Lorraine, you know, that memory expert. Okay. Harry Lorraine and Frank Garcia, the guy with the million-dollar hands. And, uh-huh. uh, and so I, I took eight card trick books, and I learned every trick in those books. It's about 370 How tricks. long did it take you to learn all of that? Oh, a couple months. Uh-huh. <laughs> a couple <laughs> months. You know, you <laughs> learned one card trick. You know, the beginning's the same and the end is the same. Take a card, is this your card, right? <laughs> the rest of it is what's in the middle, okay? So uh, I learned them all. I made a long list. It looked like a, like a Danny Kay prop of of a <laughs> scroll of all these card tricks. Right, because they and all have names, they right? All, well, I made names for them, right. and they do have names, right. you know. And, uh, and then I stood behind a table in the middle of a shopping mall because I couldn't do card tricks sitting down. I had to do them standing up. Okay. So for 13 straight hours, 
I did card trick number one, number two, number three, all the way up. Now, were you kind of vamping by the end? Was it taking <laughs> oh, yeah. you like a half an hour to do one card? Uh, you know, uh, shuffle the deck again. Yeah, uh, make are you sure, sure that's so. your card? <laughs> you sure you don't want another one? That's uh, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you start. You learn how to stretch <laughs> as you hit hour seven, eight, nine, you know. No bathroom breaks, by the way. That was another Guinness record. Wow. <laughs> wow. To me, that's more impressive than the card tricks. <laughs> it was. It was. They, they go, you sure you don't want to take like five minutes? No, no, I want, to, I want to make this legit. You know, I want to make this legit. Well, so 13 hours, <laughs> but certainly a triumphant ending because uh, you oh, were yeah. led away in handcuffs. Yes, I was. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was. Uh, after 13 hours, uh, it was getting, uh, it was about one o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. And the, the crowds were diminishing. And so I didn't have anybody <laughs> oh, to do they? a card trick uh-huh. for. And so I said, I, I think on the hour I'm I'm done, you know? Okay. And I still had about, I don't know, 20, 30 tricks left to sure. do. Sure, of course. But, uh, you know, someday Saving you'll them. see them. Yeah. <laughs> for the return, for the 14 yeah. hours of card tricks. <laughs> and I did, um, so I I was finished. And the guard that was there said, wow, you've been here a long time. I said, yeah, 13 hours. He said, wow, so you're a magician. Yeah, he says, Get out of these. And he took out his handcuffs and put them on me. <laughs> and uh, I was tired, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and not, yeah. Not happy about <laughs> it. And I'm, I'm uh, ironically, and I don't think I'm giving away too much, ironically, one of the card tricks I, uh, that involved me involved a bobby pin that I kept on my belt. Oh, okay. So bobby pins are very good lock picks. Okay. And For all so, you criminals out there who <laughs> yeah. subscribe to this podcast, <laughs> yes, that's and, a tip. There are many, I yes. assume. <laughs> and uh, we're so, big in Leavenworth, right? Or yeah. if you wear a yarmulke, you might have a uh-huh. that's right, a, a you have bobby, a bobby pin, pin in your hair, you know, right. or, mm-hmm. or whatever. So, or a lady, you know, with a wig might might be right. Yes, not an, a good one to escape yeah. from. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and so I use the lock. I happen to have the bobby pin, thankfully, and uh, <laughs> pick the lock, and it only takes a few seconds, right. and. Uh, I said, please, I'm tired, and handed him the handcuffs. And a New York Times reporter happened to be next to him and said, uh-huh. did you just do what I think you just did? And I said, yeah. And I was on the uh, New York Times the next morning. Wow, for that. The 13 yeah. hours. 13 hours doesn't yeah, count. Right. <laughs> so, so do you always walk around with a deck of cards in your hand? Never. Or, uh, really? Never. <laughs> really? Back Did then. you back yeah. then? Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, coins, you always got a coin in your hand, that type of thing? You know, I have to say, Ken, that when I was a little boy, I used to see your name on, on MASH, <laughs> MASH episodes. And, and, uh, we're, we're roughly the same age. Yeah. So... Uh-huh. Uh, uh, back then, you know, when the, when because I saw Houdini do most of his act. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. Yeah. I'm sure you did in, in the 1920s. Right? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's right. I um, uh, the best way to practice is to watch half hour sitcoms because you're standing there with a coin in your hand, rolling it or palming it. Right. You know, magicians spend days uh, holding, finding the right spot to hold that coin in their hand. Right. So, uh, you never shake hands with a magician, uh, a young <laughs> magician, cause you're going to get a coin in your hand if you do that, you know, uh-huh. but I used to watch television all the time and, and shuffle decks of cards. You're a fan of, uh, um, Ricky Jay. Sure. Who yeah. I'm going to talk ne- to you about him. Yeah, yeah. Who was yeah. never anywhere without a deck of cards. Right. But, um, 
Yeah, I used to carry him all the time and do that stuff. But you know, after thirteen hours of car, you <laughs> pretty much you pretty much sound. But it's not something where you feel you have to continually tune up. It's like now you can just do it. Yeah, you can much. hand me a deck of cards right now. Give me a couple of minutes to shuffle, uh-huh. and I'll give you 13 hours. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever lose at poker? Uh, I don't play poker. <laughs> I don't play poker because uh, uh, I find it boring. Uh-huh. I find it to boring. just always beat them because, uh, yeah. okay, I need uh, uh, an eight of diamonds. Whoop, okay, here there I you just go. pull yeah. one out of your ear. Oh, yeah, yeah we all do that. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's very easy to do. Yeah. Can you go to Vegas and uh, <laughs> watch a dealer, you know, a blackjack dealer or a poker dealer and see whether or not he's dealing off the bottom of the deck, anything like that? Uh, I'm sure there are lots of cameras that are watching that. But I love watching them shuffle cards. Uh-huh. I love watching them deal cards. One time, the U.S. Playing Card Company, which makes all the decks of cards that you see, right? they, um, uh, they were in Cincinnati, and now they're in Kentucky, uh-huh. right over the river. Right. And they used to hold tours of the U.S. Playing Card Company. And it was fascinating to watch. And the best card manipulators I ever saw were the ladies at the end who examined the cards to make sure they were all right. Uh-huh. They were flipping them around and <laughs> folding them and doing it. And I'm going, well, all the magicians are watching them like, all right, how are they doing that? Because that's really good. And it's from, you know, 10 hours of doing it over and over and over. Sure, sure. Right. Now, a lot of magic is also misdirection. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me uh, almost as important or maybe even more important is the pattern that you you have to develop and learn definitely you know i mean unless it's you know one of those things where there's just music playing and you're pulling (laughs) scarves out of your ear that that type of thing that we all do right we always have scarves in our ears just in case (laughs) just in case something you know go go back a minute and let's talk about what is a magician okay what what is what really is a magician so uh, there was a French magician in the 1800s named Robert Houdin. Okay. Sounds familiar because Houdini named himself after him. Ah. And one of his famous quotes that uh, is generally speaking, I'm, I'm not quoting exactly, is that a magician is an actor playing the part of a magician. Okay. Sounds good. So our job as a magician, as a, as a good magician... Is when you're a child, you believe in things like Santa Claus, because there really is, right? Right. And and the Tooth Fairy for the four-year-olds that listen to the show, Uh and the Easter Bunny and so forth. And you have that wonder in your head, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you hit like 10 or 12 years old, you lose that wonder. So our job as a magician is to bring back that wonder for an hour. It's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the willing suspension of disbelief of a wonder worker amusing you with some cool magic. You know, I also think that people, they watch these superhero movies, you know, and and I think there is this, like, hidden desire. That, wouldn't it be cool to have a superpower? Wouldn't it be nice that there are people who have superpowers? And in a sense, you kind of have a superpower, yes. don't you? Yes, but you, you know, like in the movies... That it's not real. What? You want it to be real. What? You want it, well, well, some movies. Well, well Superman some movies, is, not yes. Batman. That's Spider-Man. right, that's right. Superman's real. Let's Please let Wonder power. Woman be yeah. real. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is the only one that we want to deal with. That's right. That and Black Panther. We want them to be real. 
and uh, and and visit Wakanda one day and, and have fun. So, but, do you then take on a persona when you are performing magic? Absolutely, you're an actor. Okay, you're an actor playing the part of a magician. Uh huh. And hopefully, that like when you go to a Broadway show, you become part of that Broadway show. Hopefully, when you're watching a magic show, you're part of that magic show. It's interesting that on East Coast and West Coast have different views of magicians. The West Coast realizes that magic is not just for kids, that you have that wonderful magic castle here. Right. So you know it's not for children. Right. And you know that when you go in that place, and when I perform in the parlor of prestidigitation, that on the East Coast, I have to take 10 minutes to get people adjusted to the fact that magic is... Then we're going to do some magic. Interesting. But here at the castle, as soon as I start, and you've seen me perform there, sure, you're already in with me. You're ready. You're ready to go. Right. 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 And I start right away, and we're together, and we're in the disbelief. Don't most people want to be involved in the disbelief? I hope so. Uh huh. There or, are do you, some... or do you find that that there are people that are just you know skeptics and they're yeah. just going, eh, okay, this is this is just a trick. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And some people don't like to be fooled. I mean, huh. that's a natural instinct. I mean, as cavemen or as a, uh, you you have built into you that if something isn't the way it's supposed to be, your mind triggers into how is that possible? You know. Right. But if you sit back and enjoy it and let us do the willing suspension of disbelief, you're going to have a great time watching the show. Do you also study comedians? Because, you know, you have a lot of humor in your, your act. And, and most magicians seem to have a lot of humor in so their A act. lot of them do. A lot of them do. And, by the way, the humor is the misdirection. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, exactly. I think you pick up on that because you know something a little bit uh-huh. about humor. Uh-huh. That, uh, yes, the humor is definitely the misdirection. The idea of, um, I think it was Doug Henning that first came out with the idea of, uh, uh, I found out some cool stuff and I want to share it with you. You know, that was his persona. Right. That, that you know, I, it's not, it's not the, the Seinfeld version of a magician, which is uh, um, pick a card, I found it, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right? I don't want you to be an idiot. I want you to enjoy what I think is cool, too. Right. And that's, and that's what I do when I perform. So when people learn that you're a magician, you know, are they always going, well, do a trick. Yeah. Yeah, do do a trick for me. Yeah. Make my uh, wife disappear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make my wife disappear. No. I know I get that uh when when people find out that I'm a baseball announcer. Yeah. And they go, Oh announce baseball. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll go, low, ball two. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you also create a lot of the illusions. Talk a little bit about that. It's not easy, as you no, know, as I'm a sure. creator. Yeah. It's just like anything. Um, uh, there's there's a, uh, an illusion that I do now called You're There, which you, you have seen in my show. I was there. And you were there. I were there. And you yes. witnessed it. Mm-hmm. You witnessed it. It took three years, and it's still a work in progress. It changes all the time. But um, I don't know how you get your inspiration, but my inspiration comes from music. Interesting. I start with a song. Okay. I start with a song, and then I, I figure out what 
what illusion can I do around that song? Um, I think I think David Copperfield feel, works that way also. We're from the same generation, uh-huh. um, and um, he's the household name. I'm the most <laughs> famous non-known magician in the world, and uh, uh, so I start with a song and I figure out what what would work around it. In fact, um, uh, the illusion that I do now called "You're There" originally started with a box that I was going to have an animated rabbit in. Who was going to find a like selected a hologram card. type of thing? Yeah, kinda. Right. And uh, he was going to find a selected card, okay. and he was going to throw cards out of the box and things like that. And after about three months of playing with this, because I found a song for it, I went, "This is the stupidest thing," <laughs> because because we're going to go back to a page one rewrite, right? Uh-huh. Because uh, I have enough humor in my act, and I wanted to do something that would touch people. Right. When they left there, they were going to think about this last illusion and do it. Right. And so uh, you put it away for a while. And a few months later, I was listening to a, uh, uh, I love obscure albums from Broadway celebrities, from, you know, people that, it's not the stuff you would pick out at a record store if there was a record store. Right. Right. And so I found a, um, an album uh, from a Broadway actress, and she had a song about her husband who passed away and how depressed she is that, that he's gone and she's going to try and keep him in her mind. Right. Okay. And um, I listened to this record and I thought, that's the song. I'm going to bring back my relatives because I have some interesting relatives in the past, mentors who have helped me. Yeah, your grandfather, like, helped create illusions for Houdini. For Houdini. He built the yeah. first milk can escape for him. Yeah. Wow. Because he was a sheet metal worker and a magician. And my grandmother danced with Rudolph Valentino in silent films. And my, my mother was on the radio. I'll tell you about that after if you uh-huh. want. And so um, I said to my wife, I want you to hear this song because I'm going to bring back the ghosts of my relatives in this box. And, uh, and we'll do a trick with them. And I played the song for my wife, and she said, that's the most depressing song I ever heard in my life. <laughs> and so I, uh, my son is a musical arranger here in Hollywood. And I said, uh, I'm going to send it to Eric, and let's see, let's see what he can do with it. And I sent him the song, and I said, I'm going to do this trick, or I'm going to bring back Grandma and Grandpa. And, all that. and uh, he wrote back to me, and he said, that's the most depressing song I ever heard in my life. <laughs> but uh, we did Your what... wife, Arlene, is yeah. naughty. Yeah, absolutely, yes, yes. absolutely. Uh-huh. And if you hear Alex Corey's version, Alex Corey wrote it, uh, yeah, it is a little depressing, <laughs> but uh, I thought of it as hopeful, the fact that our relatives are always with us, no matter what. Okay. Whether they're living, they're dead, you're always talking to them. Right. And one, you know, what would mom do? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. how would grandma handle this? And so I, uh, we discussed the song for about an hour and a half. He uh, arranged something for me, and the song kicked off the illusion. So someday, maybe your listeners will be in Hollywood, California, and they'll come to the Magic Castle, and they'll see me performing it. And by the way, how do you get into the Magic Castle? How do you get into the Magic Castle? Well, you don't do what a lot of the websites are saying, which is write to the performers that are going to be there and ask for free guest passes. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> don't do it. It doesn't work. Uh, the week that I just spent at the castle, I received over 80 emails Oh wow! from people with all sorts of stories. 
<laughs> and why it's important that they come to the. This is like castle. a big, you know, make a wish thing, right? So, yeah, exactly. Oh, every yeah. story was a make a wish yeah, story. Okay, and and maybe they're true, maybe they're. But we have very limited number of, of passes to let people in. Uh, but the best way is to find someone who's a member or a magician. There, there are lots of them here, right? And uh, you'll find a way. Eventually, it'll be on your bucket list, and you'll. You'll get to the Magic Now, what do you think of the Magic Castle? You, and you know, I love the Magic Castle, and I've been going to the Magic Castle for, like, 40 years. Yeah. But... How did you get in? Uh, I got in uh, I got in through a friend who was a member. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it's much more crowded now. There's a lot more people. I mean, it used to be you go to a show at 8.30 and it's done at 9 and then you go to the 9.15 show and that's right. done at 9.45 so you go to the 10 o'clock show and you just kind of moved around mm-hmm. and easily through the course of the evening you got a chance to see everything. Now it's like Disneyland where you got to pick which <laughs> thing you want to see. Get your fast pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> know someone to get into the room. But, you know, it's, it's always amazing. I saw a guy there and I want to ask you about him. Okay. Okay. Because um, this guy completely amazed me. And I, I imagine you guys know how other magicians do their tricks. There was a guy named Kuda Bucks. Oh, loved Kuda Bucks. Okay, Kuda Bucks was. You saw Kuda Bucks? Yeah, was a uh, mm-hmm. Pakistani and uh, he, he passed away. But he used to do this trick. <laughs> where he was called the man with the x-ray eyes. With the dough. Yeah. And he would take globs of dough and stick them in his eye sockets. Mm-hmm. And then he would put cotton all around that. Mm-hmm. And then he would put tape around it. And then he would take blankets and towels and everything else. So his head looked like this <laughs> giant watermelon. Yeah. Okay. And he would stand at one side of the stage... And he would have an easel, and people from the audience would come up, and they would write mm-hmm. in any language. Right. And he would copy and duplicate, duplicate yeah. what they were writing. Incredible, uh, and, right? Incredible. And I, I've never seen anyone else uh, do that. Uh, it, it, you know how he does that? So I'll tell you a Kuda Buck story. <laughs> you like the way I evaded that question? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, I do know. And the methods behind that go back to the 1700s. The okay. 1800s. See, that's where all the new magic is. That's where all my magic comes from. Right. The 17 or 1800s. He's the only one I know who does that yeah. or who did that. Who did that. Yeah, yeah. They're doing it now. Darren Brown does it in England and so forth. Interesting Kuda Buck story. Okay. I, uh, one of the first times I was in Hollywood. Kuda Bucks uh, was standing in front of the Magic Castle, and I introduced myself to him. I said, oh, Kuda Bucks, Bruce Calvert. He said, could you do me a favor? I said, what is it? He said, I'm going blind. He said, I'm trying to get across the street. Can you help me across the street? Yeah, yeah. And I helped him get across the street because uh-huh. he was going to Hollywood Magic to see his friends. Uh-huh. Yeah. So with all the wait, dough wait, and wait, everything wait, on you, his head. You mean it was a trick? <laughs> it's a good trick. Yeah. It was a good trick. Suspension do, of disbelief. Do magicians share their secrets with each other? They do, but you have to earn it. 
Okay. I think that's with any profession, right? Sure. You have to earn the respect of each other to do, to share. Okay. And I, after 53 years of performing magic, about 45 years in, I said, you know, it's time. My grandfather was my, my trainer, and uh, I was his apprentice, and I started at age five learning, and then at age 10 I was performing. But I thought about 45 years in, it's time to give back. And so there are lots of magicians uh, of my generation who now go around to magic societies, and there are lots of them around the world, Okay, and lecture and share their ideas. And once you do that, then you develop friendships around the world where there's a correspondence that goes back and forth. You know there are only 16 possible magic tricks. Oh, I thought there were 17, but okay. All right, 16. <laughs> Some people think 13. Uh, so what I mean by that is, uh, you know, appearance, disappearance, transformation, color change, mind reading. There's 16 different things. Right. And you could teach a trick to somebody, but depending upon his personality, like you say, you know, you're an actor. Right. You know, you could do the trick a lot differently than he does just based on the presentation. Absolutely. It's your personality. It's the persona. It's the way you, it's the, it's the storyline you put around it. Um, I have a, a friend, Andy Dallas, who was the originator of the, I do a trick where I, I penetrate a knife through a coat. Yes, I saw that. Right. Notice and, I did not uh, uh, volunteer my coat. coat. That's yeah. right. Although That's you're right. a great magician. Yeah. And um, um, it was his, his idea and we did a lecture together where we both presented knife through coat, but his it was totally different presentation than mine. Uh-huh. And as we presented them to each other, people thought, that's two totally different tricks, even though it's the same premise. Right. You know, a juggler can only juggle nine balls. That's their limit. When they hit nine, they're done. Okay. <laughs> they're done. You can't do 10. It's, <laughs> physics doesn't make it possible. Uh-huh. I'm sure somebody out there will dispute me on it, but uh-huh. essentially it's nine. So when you learn the 16 different effects that are involved, now everything's just a variation on how to do it. Well, there was a television show a number of years ago on Fox with a masked... <sighs> Uh, magician. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. bringing that yeah. up. Well, yeah. No, well, I want to ask you about that because, sure. you know, basically it was a show that revealed how they did magic yeah. tricks. But most of the magic tricks that they revealed were these elaborate David Copperfield kind of things that required apparatus and trap doors and assistance and, and things like that. Um, it seems to me that probably the magic community was outraged by this because you know you're you're digging into someone's meal ticket with this yeah, thing. Yeah. Most of the time, when you're when you're trying to figure out a magic trick, you're figuring out the most elaborate way to do it. It's probably easier <laughs> than what you think it's going to be. And you know when that show first came out. Uh, magicians immediately knew who the mass magician was. Oh, I, that was going to be my ta- next question. Yeah, it didn't you, take you, long you to figure that, that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Who needed You're to pay You're not sending him a Christmas card every you, year, I'm guessing. No. Ruined his career. Yeah, as a good, magician. good. But, um, you know, we watched that thing and, you know, revealed in quotes 
uh, we would all watch that show and go, oh, that's a neat way of doing it. <laughs> but, gee, that's kind of cool. Of course, my way is simpler, but wow, that's kind of fun, you know. So they really weren't how it was. And I think people realized after a while, it's not about the secret. It's about the presentation. Right. It has nothing to do with the secret. The secret, we're not there to try and fool you once again. We're there to entertain you. At least that's okay. what a good magician does. And amaze you. And amaze you. Yeah. yeah. And, and maybe make you forget about what's going on in the world for a little while. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask you a hard question now. Can someone make a living as a magician? Oh, as much as a musician or a TV writer or a... Well, it's, it's I, a passion. I think, yeah, it is a passion. But as a TV writer, you know, you can get on a show and you you can make... It's easy, right? Money. It's oh, low-hanging fruit. Oh, very Low-hanging easy, fruit. Right? But it seems to me like, yeah, you're Lance Burton or you're David Copperfield or, you know, one of those guys and you have a big Vegas show. But just in general, you know, and again, I'm thinking about people out there listening they love magic you know mm. is this something that you can make a living at or do you better have <laughs> better have a day job and uh, and do this as a hobby on the weekend well i made a living at it for many years and there are there are thousands i was the national president of the society of american magicians okay which is we have uh, they call them assemblies but we have chapters Around the country. So if anybody wants to be a magician, uh, even the young kids, there's a society of young magicians for young kids. You can look it up on the Internet. There's this thing called the Internet. It's very magical. <laughs> and um, they, uh, most of the members there are amateur magicians who do it part-time. Right. Do kids' birthday parties. I'll tell you, when you're at a kid's birthday party, you are the most famous person in that room. <laughs> right? Because you're the magician. You're right. The magician. Right. But yeah, people can make a living doing magic. Where would you perform magic now? Cruise ships, resorts, you know, uh-huh. uh, birthday parties, big business. There'll right. always be children. Right. <laughs> There'll always be children. And I want to recommend a book I have no connection to whatsoever. But uh, adults always ask me, you know, hey, I want to do some magic for my grandchildren or something. There's a brand new book that came out two months ago that I was floored over. I thought it was great for beginners called Grandpa Magic. And it's for every grandfather or father that wants to learn some magic tricks to do for kids. And you can find it online. You can find it in a bookstore. It's called Grandpa Magic. I don't even know the author. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But I love the book. Let's go back to Ricky Jay for a minute. Uh, you know, I had Tracy Newman on the podcast a few Fantastic. weeks ago yeah. um, who who lived with him. What made him so remarkable as opposed to all of the other people doing card tricks? He did the research. Okay. He knew the history. Okay. He respected the richness of the history of these things. When Ricky Jay performed, every magician would say, where did that come from? You know, uh, oh, I want to learn that trick. Where did that come from? And what they didn't realize was he, he was looking at the old books. He was looking at the stuff from the 1700s, the 1800s. There's a, there's a Bible of card mastery uh, that's called, uh, written by a guy named Erdnase. Okay. And um, expert at the card table, it's called. Expert at the card table. You can find it. Good luck learning that stuff. (laughs) It is very intricate. It was written by a gambler, 
in the, I believe, the 1920s or so, maybe earlier than that. And uh, he was showing gambling techniques, but they're the same techniques magicians use in their card tricks. And what Ricky Jay did was he learned every one of them, and he took the patter from there and used it for modern-day magic. And it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And for years we all went, where did this stuff come from? And it was from Erdnase. Everybody had it in there. <laughs> in their library, but they never bothered to read it because uh, because that's what it was. You're always updating your act, right? You're always. always looking for new illusions and things. Always. 53 years of performing. Right. I only feel that the last 10 years have been my best. Wow. Yeah. Wow. How do you feel about writing? Do you I feel? feel I'm a better writer now than I ever was. Right? You know, I was way more in demand when I was younger, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I look back at some of the shows, I look back at some of the MASH episodes, I can't even watch them because <laughs> I go, God, give me one more day, one more yeah. day, and could I it. could really tweak it, and I could yeah. make this so much better. But, uh, yeah, I completely understand what you're saying. I realized that uh, when I perform, back then I was so worried about the, the methods you know, and right. making it making it super uh, magical that I didn't concentrate enough on the presentation. Uh-huh. And it's the presentation that makes the, that makes the difference, not the trick itself. Right. right. Also seems like you get an awful lot of joy doing it. You have to be passionate about it and you have to be uh, you have to be happy to share it. Mm-hmm. It's a, it can't be a chore. It can't be a chore. It has to be has to be something that comes from your heart. Okay. And final question. Uh, are there any young magicians coming up who you go, okay, this is the next brilliant guy? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Are they? There are magic conferences around the world. Um, I, I ran uh, one along with another gentleman uh, the two magic organizations, the International Brotherhood of Magicians, sounds like a union, right? <laughs> and the Society of American Magicians, which is otherwise the just known as Pick a Card. Pick a Card, right. yeah, 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 right. <laughs> you know, by the third day of the conventions, you don't even just say Pick a Card; you just do it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's one of, one of those things. But the two organizations, <clears throat> every five years or so, decide to get along, and they combine a convention together. So. Um, uh, a gentleman named Bill Wells from the IBM and myself ran this convention and we have competitions in there and young competitions and we look at these young people and we say, oh my God, the the art of magic is safe. Oh, that's great. <laughs> it's safe because right. they are coming back to us to be mentors and then they're coming up with their own thing. Technology and magic always went together. We uh-huh. could talk about that for hours. Right. And um, and uh, we've got some great... Uh, look out for somebody named Trig Watson. Trig Watson. Yeah, look him up on uh, the internet. He's, he's a very special guy. There's uh, uh, South Korea is producing these card manipulators that are out of this world. Out of this world. So, yeah, no, I, I've seen some of those guys on... You know, Moldavia has talent and some of, <laughs> some of those shows. Well, that's a matter of opinion, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see. I'll tell you a magician you want to see from the past that is one of my favorite magicians, because people always ask me, who's my favorite? Uh-huh. 
There is a uh, there's a magician who at the I believe at the age of 12 lost his one of his arms in an accident, a tractor accident. And his name is René Lavand, L-E-V-A-N-D. Okay. He is a one-armed card manipulator. And he does everything with one hand. Uh-huh. And he does it slowly and he does it poetically, Spanish and uh, his his patter is poetry. And it is, the, it is like watching a ballet. Uh, and I have no idea how he does it. Interesting. I have his book, yeah. uh-huh. but I haven't opened it because I don't want to know. Well, it's in know. the wrong language. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know because it's one of the few things you that like to brings be me wonder. Too, That's right? right. It brings me wonder. Yeah. So Rene Lavand, look him up uh-huh. on YouTube. You'll be amazed. Yeah, that brings up another point that for you, when when... You see magicians. I see a magician, and it's like, oh wow, fantastic! And you look at him, go, oh okay, that's the, you know, uh, uh, trick. No, no, okay, he's doing it. He did it. You know, oh, he's left-handed. That's interesting. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not yeah. what I'm saying. What uh-huh. I'm saying is, what a clever presentation. Uh-huh. It's not about the trick. It's about the presentation. Right. You don't want to know what's in the secret sauce at McDonald's. Well, you just want to enjoy no. it. No, I don't even want to go to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll say Ted's big boy. You don't want to know what's in the salt. <laughs> right. Bruce, this has been great. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, this my is a pleasure. Real treat. My pleasure. And, uh, you know, if you want to do some card tricks later. All right, I'm, for, I'm, all, for all your listeners, okay. I just want to say your card was the Five of Clubs. Oh, my God, he's right. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. Thank you. This is Hollywood in the Vine. Okay, here's Bruce Calver. Really, really interesting. By the way, you can check out his website at brucecalver.com. Calver is spelled with a K, so it is B-R-U-C-E-K-A-L-V-E-R.com. Com, and uh, you can book him or just find out more about him. Also, he has some stuff on YouTube if you want to see him in action. Really, really interesting. So our thanks to Bruce Calver. Also, our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, Howard Hoffman, and John Wolfert. If you want to get in touch with me for any reason, I have an email address, hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Ken Levine. Follow me on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. And as always... Please subscribe to this podcast and give me a five-star review. I know I'm starting to sound pathetic uh, pitching for that, but what the hell. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week. Back again next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Hollywood and the Vine.